Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Riverside. A couple of quick announcements to hit while the kids are making their way out to class. Uh, well, actually, only one is uh, only one announcement. Enjoy the Alaskan summer. Although, as you walked in here, I mean, I think the cloudburst has gone away, but it was pouring a minute ago, and all I could think was, I am so glad I'm not in a tent right now. Um, uh, one other announcement, though, that I do want to make, and that is that uh, next week is the last week for the new mom bags that we are collecting items for. So if you're thinking, oh, I was going to bring some stuff for that, uh, there are these flyers out uh, in the hallway right kind of above. Uh, right when you go in the kitchen, you will see them. It has all the items that they're looking for. Uh, and then uh, next week we'll announce August's uh, new uh, sort of service project. And... Uh, other than that, I don't think there are any specific announcements. So, um, you know, if you're here today for the first time and, you know, you're, you're looking at your lesson sheet and you're like, beware of materialism, money talks. I'm sorry, okay? I know that people think, oh, that's all churches ever talk about is money. Money, 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 money. It's like I'm listening to a Pink Floyd song or, you know, it's like, wait, you, you, that's the impression, right? that all churches ever talk about is money. But if you're here for the first time, you just got lucky, okay? Because this almost, I mean, we, we almost never talk about money. And the only time we talk about it is when it comes up sort of naturally in the course of a lesson series. And when we get to the scripture for today, uh, James chapter 5, I think you'll see it's like there's just no way we could avoid it um, at this point. But the reason we don't talk about money much, it's a conscious decision on our part that we made years ago, years and years and years ago, because when you ask people who don't go to church, when you say, why don't you go to church, the number one reason that they list almost universally is, all they care about is my money. And so in order to sort of dispel what I consider to be a myth, although there are probably some churches that have helped perpetuate that myth, but I think that by and large, that's not true of churches uh, in the majority. But in order to deal with that, with that idea, what we said was, okay, then we just almost never talk about money. We will take that objection off the table. So that if you have friends that you say, hey, you should come to church with me, and they say, oh no, all they ever want is my money, you can say, not, you'll never hear them talk about money at this place. They don't pass a plate. They don't, you know, it's like, I think the last time that we talked about money here um, has been months. As a matter of fact, if you've been with us for months, if you've been going to church here for months, you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, when was the last time they talked about money here? So like I said, if you're here for the first time, you know, you just got lucky. Maybe you need to talk over with God why he brought you here this, this first time instead of, you know, waiting until next week. But, um... I know that as someone who works for a church and whose life sort of depends upon the church, it's like we're, we're a non-denominational independent church. We don't get money from any outside source. The only thing that, that, that funds the ministries of this church is what gets dropped in those boxes in the back on the way out. Uh, and, but I know that as someone whose life sort of depends on this, I am not a great source of unbiased information, right? I mean, I try to be, but even, even as I'm trying to be unbiased, I can see, as I, if I step back and look at myself, I'm like, am I really, am I really 
Am I really being unbiased? Um, and if I think that about myself, I can't imagine what you must think, you know, when you hear me talk about money. And so every time that we do, every time that we talk about money, we always make this disclaimer. If you don't trust us, if you don't, if you don't think that we are able to tell you this is what the Bible says about how you should handle your money, if you think, gosh, I, I, I just don't, I don't buy it, then here's what we say. Don't give us anything, all right, if that's the way that you feel Truly, um, but find some organization that you can be generous in the name of God to um, because this is not about mainly what your money does for these organizations that are, are you know, working for Jesus. It is mainly about what, what being generous does in your life and what not being generous will do in your life. And that's what we're going to focus in on today. Um, and like I say, don't give us anything if you don't trust us. Now, some people, I know one guy said to me, oh, sure, but then, you know, as we go along, you start to realize I'm not giving anything, you'll start treating me differently. But it's not true. We, don't even, we, we have no idea who gives and who gives how much. Nobody keeps track except for the computer so that you can get an IRS tax receipt at the end of the year. And there's nobody in the leadership from Riverside sitting down and scanning these things and trying to figure out who's giving a lot and who's not giving anything. Because we don't want to see dollar signs when we look at, at the people of this church. And so we really have no clue. Um, I had a lady a couple of years ago, uh, we, we do have an online giving site, Easy Tithe. And uh, people will go on there and they'll set you know recurring payments or whatever. I had one lady come to me a couple of years ago, she goes, my credit card changed. I forgot to update it at the Easy Tithe site, and I haven't given anything for nine months. Why didn't you tell me? I'm like, we, we didn't know. We have no idea. We can't keep track of that. So I, I, promised, I promised you guys that every twice a year, I would remind you, if you are one of the recurring donors and your uh, credit card has changed in the last year, you might want to go over there and check and just make sure that your donations are coming in. So the end of the CRASP uh, commercial announcements, now we will move on to, uh, to this, well, to James chapter 5 and his discussion on bewaring of materialism. Bewaring, is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Now, those are harsh words, right? Those, especially as Americans, who we know that even those of us who maybe don't have as much money as some of the other people that we live by, we, we understand in some level that there are billions of people on this planet who would gladly trade places with the poorest people in America. And so we look at that and we're like, is he talking about me? Right? I mean, and, and that's what it's supposed to do, right? Guilt is not something that God intends for you to live with, but it is something that if you get a tinge of it, he wants you to say, okay, so, so, so how am I doing with this? Where am I when it comes to living a life 
of generosity and avoiding greed and materialism. And James is not so much trying to say, yeah, you should feel bad and you should just stew in it, as much as he is trying to say, you need to be really careful because this is something that will destroy your life. It'll destroy your relationships. It'll destroy every part. And if you've ever seen the movie Ebenezer Scrooge uh, or Christmas Carol, you know where Ebenezer Scrooge ends up. You don't get there overnight, right? But we're either moving towards him or away from him. There's no just sort of settling down somewhere and staying there. Now, I will say this before we move on. A lot of times people will think, well, yeah, money, the Bible says money is bad. Money is evil. No. Money is a tool, right? And it's neither inherently good nor inherently evil. It depends on how you handle it that will determine what kind of influence your money has in this world and what kind of influence your money has on you as you go through this world. I call today's lesson uh, Money Talks because, well, two reasons. I, I saw this, this silly little poem once, and it said, uh, Money Talks, I'll Not Deny. I heard it once. It said goodbye. And I don't know if that's your experience with money or not. I liked that. I thought that was like, uh, that's pretty good. I said, hey, Judy, look at this. She was like, yeah, you know, it's like she, she got a little different sense of humor than me. I thought that was kind of funny. But it also got me thinking about if money could talk, what would it say to us? And over time, I sort of kind of saw these. Have you ever seen those, those cartoons where they're like a little angel? on one shoulder and a little devil on the other, and they're both whispering in the guy's ear and trying, you know, the angel's trying to get him to do the right thing, the devil's trying to get him to do the wrong thing. That's sort of the way that I picture money. You know, when we say that money talks, there are two voices that it speaks with. Uh, one, I guess I would call redeemed money, which is when I sort of take what I have and I bring it under the lordship and the direction and the guidance of Jesus. And the other is unredeemed money, where I'm like, you know, no, I don't care what the Bible says about how I should handle my money. I think I know better than God what's going to make me happy. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want, and I'm going to handle it the way that I think I should handle it. And when that happens, unredeemed money shouts into your life. It comes at you from every corner of our culture and even from inside, from our human nature. Redeemed money whispers with a small, still voice and you've got to tune it in and practice to listen to it. But whichever one you listen to is going to determine the very course of your life. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Now, your thoughts come from, basically, who you listen to, right? And so for the purposes of today's lesson, we're going to focus in on this concept of what kind of thoughts are driving your life when it comes to money. Because what will happen is, unredeemed money, it's sort of like it's tricking you, right? Saying, hey, you do this and you'll be happier, and you just keep reaching for it, and instead of getting happier, you get more and more miserable. Even if you are able to create more and more wealth, Material wealth. Uh, and it reminded me, as I was getting ready for this, it reminded me of, uh, of a silly little video that I, uh, I saw years ago uh, that 
This is sort of, kind of, what money does to us. If you kind of squint your eyes and turn your head just a little bit. But the other thing that I think is funny about this video is it reminds me a little bit, or maybe a lot, of somebody who works at this church. Let's, let's watch. Sarah, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm pretty good, Gabe. Oh, got something on your shirt. Not today, Sarah. It's like Gabe's come out to play. You do have something on your shirt. Though. No, I don't. Yeah, you kind of do. No, I'm pretty sure I don't. You got a clean shirt at my desk if you want me to get it for you. I don't see why that would be necessary. Well, because the shirt you have on right now, it's not clean. Except for that it is. Me, I have a clean shirt. Oh. You, you have some schmutz on your jammy No, there is no schmutz on my jammy jam. You know what? Why don't I just get it for you? Yeah, why don't you do that? Actually, I must have got some paper towel fuzz on your shirt, so. Hey, Terry. It's Gabe. I um, just wanted to let you know that um, that you didn't get me, Terry. You didn't get me. Because on the day that you died, there was schmutz on my shirt. So guess who wins the game, Terry? I do. I win. <laughs> you lose. Oh, 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 
flip to me. You gotta be careful around here with that whole, you know, you got something on your shirt thing. But, um, you know, the reason I showed that, and I know it does seem to kind of go on, and then you're like, is it good? It's not done. My wife was sitting back there last night, and she, she kept looking at me going, you know, when is this going to be over? And I was like, just, just wait, wait for it, wait for it. Uh, not everybody's going to find that hysterically funny, as I did, but I shot it because that's sort of what money does. It keeps tricking you, and then you think, oh, I finally beat it. It's like, nope, you know, and, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what would, or what does unredeemed money say to me, and what does redeemed money say to me? And then you can decide for yourself how you're going to move forward from here. But the first thing, we're going to start with unredeemed money. And the first thing that unredeemed money says to you is only compare yourself to those with more. Only compare yourself to people who have more than you do or have something that you want. Never to people who have less than you so that you can start feeling grateful for what you do have. And what happens, it turns out if you look at, if you just spend your life looking at other people that have more than you and what they have that you don't, it creates, well, it creates two emotions. One of them is bad and the other one is much worse. Jealousy is the first one, right? And jealousy is bad enough, but jealousy is when, like, if I look at you and you've got something I want, and I wish I had one too, right? Then we could both have it. Wouldn't that be cool? But that's, that's kind of jealousy. Now, I mean, you can want what somebody else has and have it not turn into a toxic, destructive emotion, but you gotta be careful, right? Because it will turn into jealousy. And then what can happen if you're not careful as you, as you deal with jealousy is you can start to resent the person that has what you don't have. And it turns into something called envy. And envy is when not only do I want what you've got, but I want you to not have what you've got anymore so that now you look at me and think, gosh, I wish I had what Pastor Ed has. That's envy. And not only is it one of the most destructive emotions when it comes to our relationships with other people, but it turns out it's bad for our health too. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, the Bible says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And doctors will tell you that when we live our lives with this emotion, it, it impacts us physically. It has an even worse impact on our relationships. So that's the first thing unredeemed money would say. Only look at people that have more. Second thing that it would say is, you're not the one with the problem, right? It, unredeemed money will say, there is a huge greed problem in the world. It's just not you, right? You don't have enough to be greedy. And so you're... You, you're, you're not, not only are you not the problem, but you can't even be a source of the solution because you don't have enough to make any kind of a difference. So there is a problem, it's just not with you. And yet, Jesus would over and over and over, well, most of the talking that Jesus did while he was on this earth was to people who were terribly poor. I mean, in extreme poverty. And he, at one point, he was talking to these people, and this is what he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because see, there's more than just one kind of greed. I mean, there's, there's wanting money, but there is so much more. We don't have time to get into all that, but that's an entire lesson in and of itself. But when it comes to greed, Jesus says, you've got to watch out for it. Why? 
Because this is one of those things that will impact us and we won't even realize it's impacting us. It's when we say that without even thinking about it. Yeah, there is a problem. It's just, I, I don't have a problem. And Jesus, you never see him say, watch out and be careful and be on your guard for all kinds of lying, right? For all kinds of stealing. For all kinds of lashing out and violence and hurting other people. Why doesn't he tell us to, to be careful and to watch out for those things? Well, because we pretty much know when we're engaging in those activities, right? You know, you, you know when you lie that you're lying. You just, you know, you may justify it to yourself. You may think, I have to. It's okay. But you know that you're doing it, right? But when it comes to greed, Jesus says, you can live your life and never realize that this is something that is, that is eating you from inside like a cancer. And so these kinds of scriptures are supposed to make us think, could I have something like this going on with me? And I'm not saying that everybody does, because we don't all have a problem with this, right? A lot of people have sort of, have sort of figured it out and moved forward and learned how to be generous with what they have and listen to redeemed money instead of unredeemed money, to that voice. But, but this should always be one of those checkups, one of those things that we say, how am I doing? Because this is something that Jesus says can happen to you. You don't even realize it. You don't even recognize it. And the third thing that unredeemed money would say is, you'll be generous when you have enough. And the, the idea there is that there's such a thing as enough, but I, I'm just not there yet, right? And what the Bible says over and over and over and over again is, if you don't start now with a little bit, you will never learn to be generous, even if you have all the money in the world. And one of the, one of the neatest stories in the Gospels is a day that Jesus was standing at the temple with his friends. They were standing... Uh, near the area where the, uh, the collections, the donations were taken. And they are sort of like us. You know, we've got these boxes on the back of the wall. You know, they're, they're, they didn't pass plates at the temple, all right? They had, it was almost like big trash cans. People would come and drop money in them, and then at the end of the day, the priests would pull the money out, and they'd count it, and they'd, you know, run the, the temple off of those donations. But they're watching one day, and these rich people are coming by, and they're dropping in these big bags of money, amazing, impressive amounts of money. And it's really, it's blowing Jesus' friends away. They're like, Lord, did you see that? Did you see how much that guy put in there? And I'm paraphrasing Jesus a little bit here, but Jesus kind of went, yeah, I saw, you know, big deal. Um, and it's not because... Jesus doesn't like it when people give a lot of money. That's not what was going on. What was going on was what was in these people's hearts. They were turning it into a show, right? They were making sure that everybody saw that they were dropping in what I guess the young people would call fat stacks of cash, right? They were, they were, they were just dropping money into that, into that temple offering bin, and, uh, and everybody would be like, whoa, look at how awesome you are. Then a widow, a poor widow came by, and she had two pennies. She dropped those two pennies into the box and went on. And nobody else noticed. But Jesus was like, did you see that? That was awesome. And his friends are like, but it's like two cents. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 4. He said, all these others made offerings that they will never miss. She gave extravagantly. Now, I don't know. I remember the first time I read that, and it ran through my mind. I thought, what would... 
What would living a life of extravagant generosity even look like for me? What would it look like for me to, live, to, to, to be so extravagantly generous with my life? And generosity is more than just money, right? But it's not less than, than our money. It's, it includes that. But I, I, I was asking myself, what would it look like in my life to live a life of extravagant generosity that Jesus said up in heaven, hey, did you see that? That was cool. And I don't know exactly where that, that place is for me. I'm trying to find it. On my best days, I think I'm there. And on other days, I'm, I, I do more listening to unredeemed money than I would like to admit. But here's what I know. I don't know exactly what extravagant generosity would look like in my life. But you know what it looked like in hers? Two cents. It's not about amounts, all right? It's about a spirit with which we give or we don't. And so it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take huge amounts to impress Jesus. But that's, that's the voice of unredeemed money there. Um, you know, you'll be, you'll be generous when you have enough. There is a problem. It's just not with you. And, uh, you know, only focus on people who have more. But now, real quickly, the voice of redeemed money. What would, what would redeemed money say to me? And that is, number one, it would say, you won't find happiness in me. In Philippians 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. And I used to think that contentment was something that you were either born with or you weren't, right? But you had people who were content, and then you had people who were driven, type A, get things done sort of individuals. And that you couldn't, you know, if you were a type A personality, you couldn't be content. That was just the way that it was. But if there has ever been a more driven, type A personality, get things done individual that has ever lived in the history of this planet than the Apostle Paul, I don't know who it was. And that guy said, I've learned. He says, contentment is a learned trait. And it's not easy, but it is one of the most important things that you can ever learn to develop because it will get rid of this insatiability and it will bring you to a place where even if you don't have enough, you, it won't impact every part of your life. It won't impact your identity. It won't impact, you won't be defined by money. You will be defined by something completely different, something that can never be taken away. So that's the first thing that it would say is, uh, you know, focus, you'll be happier if you're generous. I mentioned earlier that money is not in and of itself bad. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the statement, money is the root of all evil. I, I know that that's what I always thought the Bible said. Money is the root of all evil. But that is not exactly what it says. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's a completely different statement, right? And it differentiates, it distinguishes between money, which can be a great thing. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, the ability to create wealth and then be extravagantly generous is listed as a spiritual gift. I don't know where I was when that gift was handed out. I was somewhere down the street getting a sense of humor that only I found funny, I guess. I don't know. But the, some people have this ability, right? They sneeze and there's more money. They're like, oh look, I got more money. You're like, how do you do that? It's like, and if you, if, you, if you then take that and are extravagantly generous, 
It doesn't rot you. It doesn't cause, it, it makes your life better. It enhances your life. It's not inherently evil. It's not inherently good. Second uh, thing that redeem money would say is you'll be happier if and when you start being generous. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that doesn't mean it's not good to receive. I love to receive, right? Everybody likes receiving. But what even psychologists have figured out is that if all you do is get, 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 instead of giving, then even the receiving will become, like, what's, what's even the point of that? doesn't make me feel good anymore. There was a study that was done a few years ago where researchers gave a hundred bucks to a group of people and they said to half of the people, go buy whatever you want. And they said to the other half of the people, go buy something and give it away to somebody who needs it. And when those people came back, the people who were told, buy whatever you want with this hundred dollars, you know what they said almost universally was, if I had had just a little bit more, I would have gotten really what I wanted. And the people that were told, give this away to somebody, they came back and, oh, they couldn't stop talking about how it made them feel to bless somebody else. And it's almost like, Jesus was right. Who knew, right? How, how, I, I look at that statement, I'm like, that couldn't possibly be true. And yet you see it over and over and over again. Jesus is right. Listen to his voice. More blessed to give than to receive. And that leads to the third and final point for today. The time to be generous is right now. Don't wait, right? I remember years ago, Judy and I, we had, I mean, I think we'd been married three, four years, maybe not even that long. And even with our meager income, we had gotten ourselves into fairly serious debt. And so a couple from our church who, they, they, were, they, they, they went through what is sort of the precursors of the Dave Ramsey course that uh, we teach here at Riverside uh, every year or so. Um, and they agreed to sit down with us, help us with our budget, help us with our bills, and help us figure out how to climb out of this place that we had gotten ourselves to. Which we've got a few people here at this church that will do the same thing. If that's something that you're like, gosh, I need that. We have some people here that will do that with you if that's something that you're interested in. But I'll never forget, we sat down with them. They said, okay, let's, let's make your budget first. Here's your budget. Now let's talk about debt reduction. And now let's talk about giving back to God. And they didn't start with some huge percentage. Um, they said, you know, that's not really responsible. Um, we need to start you off smaller so you can get that debt taken care of. And then once you get that debt taken care of, then how much you give can go up. But they started us at 3% of our income that we just gave back to God. And I remember looking at that and thinking two things, one of which I told our counselors and the other that I kept to myself. One was, um, you know, if I use that 3% to put towards our debt reduction, that would really get us out of debt faster. That, that I said out loud. The other one was, I could spend that 3% on myself and really feel, you know, have a lot more fun in my life. That was the one I didn't share. Uh, but I told them, I said, you know, my, my idea is I could just put that towards debt reduction. They were like, no, you can't afford to wait to be generous, right? And for you right now, Ed and Judy, 3% is being generous. And God is going to notice that. And that's going to make a difference. 
And it's because Jesus, well, look at what Jesus says in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Go, let's go to Luke 6, 38, and then we'll come back to the video, okay, Greg? Um, he says, give and you will receive. You'll be given much, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way that God will give to you. And I remember looking at that going, okay, all right, I guess, I, again, it's one of those things that I learned as I, as I brought that, what, I was like, what does it matter? This 3% of my income, it's not going to make any difference in anybody's life at all. It turned out I was wrong. It made a huge difference in our lives. Huge difference. Because when I brought him that lousy little, little amount of money and said, here, Lord, I, I don't know what we're going to do with this, but let's be generous to somebody. Let's, be, let's do something great with this. He took that, that messy little tiny bit and he did something miraculous with it. And it reminded me, I was, I was going along, I saw on, the, on uh, one of my friend's Facebook pages this, uh, this very short video. It's less than a minute. I'm going to show it to you just here at the end because this is what God does with anything that you bring and give to him. Let's watch. It's dramatic. We're not going to make it. We'll never see the light again. But I will keep on going till the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a ship that's faced a hurricane. But I will keep on like no problem for him but still I just thought I don't know how he does it but he does it over and over and over again folks I don't know I don't know where you are in your life right now when it comes to generosity I don't know where you are financially I don't know what's going on like I said at the beginning of this lesson if you don't if you think all we're trying to do is get more money out of you don't give to us but find some way you can be extravagantly generous and if you need help if you need somebody to walk through this process with you um, fill it out in one of those communication cards and drop it in the box or hand it to me on the way out and we'll get in touch with you. Um, but this is one of those things. What would extravagant generosity even look like in your life? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son and for the fact that, that he lived a life of extravagant generosity towards us. Or teach us what it will look like to live lives of extravagant generosity back towards you, towards the other people that are around us, that you have entrusted into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ed. Remember, you know, by next week you can bring all the stuff for the uh, right. new moms, uh, baby bags, and uh, let's go ahead and stand and close with the final chorus. Today is the day you have made, and I will rejoice.
great week.